Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Build Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Hayes, and today I'm joined by Dulux colour forecaster and stylist, Bree Leach, who's sharing some tips and tricks for pulling off the perfect paint job at your home. For anyone thinking of carrying out some work over the coming summer months, you might want to turn up your volume. So let's hear what Bree had to say. Yeah, so Bree, listen, thanks a million for joining us this morning. I'm not sure where you're joining us from, if you're in Melbourne or Sydney or um, uh, wherever. I know I'm looking out the window in Melbourne here and it's raining, which is peak uh, Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah, and it, yeah and it's weather this morning and it looks like it's going to rain for like a week. So I know, it's peak <laughs> Melbourne, really. <laughs> Exactly. But um, but yeah, so we're on the t- same time zone, which helps. But yeah, so uh, delighted that you could join us, Bree. Really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and yeah, over the next over the next short little while, we're just going to have a, a bit of a chat about uh, primarily the Dulux colour forecast for 2023, which was announced recently. And um, yeah, just just all things paint related recently. Uh, the as I said, the weather at the moment doesn't really isn't really conducive to painting anything. But hopefully, uh, the weather is coming where you can people can get out and about and maybe spruce up spruce up various rooms or their outdoors or whatever the case might be. But um, I suppose before we get onto that, Bree, um, can you just give me a brief outline of your own background within uh, within this industry? Sure. Um, I studied interior design and from there worked in commercial interior design for a number of years. And I ended up actually leaving interior design. I was trying to find another job at the time. Jobs were a bit scarce mm-hmm. and they weren't paying super well. So I ended up going into an architectural consultant role, which is basically a sales role, but you don't necessarily have to sell you just have to have great relationships with um, interior designers which was easy for me mm-hmm. and I myself in the textile industry carpet so very quickly sort of discovered that whilst I was quite good at the sales side of things I can I can definitely talk um, <laughs> I was drawn to the marketing side and my I guess my skill set was sort of not being used um as much as it could be so they started to get me involved in the events they were doing um designing the stands for exhibitions so we used to have design x for instance a long time ago um mm-hmm. so I would design those stands and manage the build and run the events um and then our current color um person actually was moving on and so they asked me if I was interested in that role because I'd already started to get into the um, colour development of the commercial ranges. And, yeah, so I took that on as well. We sort of created a whole different role, basically creative role, and that's where I started to get into and was mentored by um, a fantastic trend forecaster, Barbara Marshall, um, in how basically you go about forecasting colours in interiors. So, yeah, and then I, I did that for a number of years. Um, I started to manage all their photo shoots as well. Um, so it was just really, you know, learning on the job. And then when I had my second child about uh, 15 years ago, I decided that I wanted a bit more flexibility and went out on my own. And that's when I started to do more interior design projects again for residential mm-hmm. and um, continue to do trend forecasting you know, as a freelancer and, and was very fortunate to know Andrew Lucina-Orr at Julux, who yep. was going on a little bit of a sabbatical. And I got to um, 
fill in her role for a little while. That's how my relationship with Julux started. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that now for about 10 years for them. So, yeah, it's been fantastic. And um, I get to sort of do all the things I love, interior design, trend forecasting and the photographic um, styling as well. Excellent. Yeah, it's a very broad career and it's uh, it, it's one of those things, I suppose, as well. You, you're never doing the same thing every day, which is which is what's nice about it. I imagine you don't you, you it's um you know, you're always in maybe a different house with different colors, different schemes, different things like that. So yeah. it's um yeah, you've definitely been you've definitely been well across the board, across the whole space. Um but um but yeah look that leads that leads in quite nicely then to um the Dulux color forecast for 2023 um so obviously we know that's been announced it's been kind of keenly watched by as you say the interior designers anyone planning renovations fresh paint jobs that kind of thing could you give us a brief lowdown Brie on I suppose what's in what's in this uh, next year's color forecast and what the big trends and the big colors are for the year to come yeah, of course. Um, so we work on three palettes. We we do obviously the forecast and um, in general is much broader than than what we distill it down to. Sure. We, we try and pick the three, I guess, most important what we see as the three most important directions. Um, but overarching influences, I guess the biggest one is still nature, which we've seen happening over the last few years, um, particularly when we had um, COVID and lockdowns and we weren't able to perhaps connect as much um, to nature as we were before and it became super important to have um, outdoor spaces that we had access to. Um, So that's definitely influencing even just um, the design of homes and particularly small spaces and making sure that we do have that access to outdoor, whether that's like a shared community space, um, you know, just a beautiful balcony or um, or amazing, fantastic backyard, which a lot of us in Australia are lucky to have. Um, so that's definitely influenced uh, the colours as well. So we're seeing a, a lot of beautiful, um, soft, earthy colours and they're not necessarily sort of the, the spring pretty pinks and um you know, those sort of pastels. We're seeing more mm. that sort of, um, I guess, countryside, the arid colours, the burnt hues. Um, and that can be also related back to, you know, recognising the climate crisis and the effect on our countryside. So we're looking at the beauty in um, nature when it's not necessarily in full bloom. A lot of native florals have those beautiful soft colours and that comes through in our Connect palette. And then um, tactility is also a big, um, continues to be a really big uh, impact on the Connect palette as well. Um, Again, something that we definitely needed for comfort within the home. Tactility really provides um, connection as well. And, um, you know, so we're looking at, I guess, textures, um, we're seeing a lot more, you know, with the huge rise of boot clay, for instance, and we'll probably see that less in the, the white that we've seen everywhere and we're going to start seeing that more in colour like, um, you know, soft browns and greens and even, you know, tans and oranges as well. Yeah. Um, and then we're still having also a retro influence. So we have a, a palette called Revive, which has 
I guess a bit of more of a nostalgic look, but it has some sort of futuristic elements as well because it's being influenced by um, the popularity of the digital world and we're seeing that, I guess, increasingly grow. Um, and, you know, people hold, building whole worlds and homes in the metaverse now. So that's yes. starting to seep through into our, you know, into our everyday lives and we're seeing kind of really cute cartoon forms and um, things that just feel a bit otherworldly or a bit futuristic. So it's almost what I would call like a bit retro futuristic because you still see sort of 70s and 80s and 60s influences um, sure. in a lot of those forms. So, so they're some of the, um, I guess, strongest points coming through. Um, and we have a the third um, palette is balance. And this one is more of a reaction to that um, overwhelm. So, you know, we had, I guess, a few different directions we've taken since we've um, gone down the COVID path over the last couple of years. It obviously has been a huge influence on our on our mood and what we need. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> one of them is that comfort, which we get from our Connect palette. So, you know, really cocooning, having a beautiful, comforting home, and that's our escape. Oh, I do apologise, my um, computer's <laughs> dingy. Um, and the other one is to celebrate. So we're coming out of that. We really want to just have colour and fun um, and joy. Joy is probably a really big buzzword in our life. So that's our revived palette, that retro-futuristic. And then the third one is this reaction to overwhelm and that maximalism um, kind of look and that is coming back to I guess a balanced interior that focus on focuses more on um, elegance and beauty a bit more less is more um, mm -hmm. and structure so we're looking for that sense of security from the structure in the interior um, and what we found there was that the aesthetics of the ocean are really informing those colors so we've got lots of beautiful blues and greens in that palette. Mm. Lovely, so that, lovely. That, that was a big, huge, <laughs> huge <laughs> overview, but that's sort of our three directions that we're looking at. Yeah, very good. That last one sounds like it's right up my alley now, to be honest, which I, uh, I, my, obviously I'm not local by my accent um, yeah. and my county at home in Ireland is is coastal so I've, I was never more than I suppose 10-15 minutes from a beach so it was always lo lo always loved that and it's the one thing we don't have here in Melbourne unfortunately is you know e easy access let's say to nice beaches there obviously yeah. are nice beaches but the yeah. e easy access but uh yeah so that definitely sounds sounds like it's up my alley but um but um but yeah look I suppose Brie the um kind of jumping around a little bit like like I've read and I've come across it with Dulux um and different things like that as well uh just this term color psychology quite a bit um and I think you probably kind of touched on it a little bit there in what you spoke about um in terms of the the various the the, the various uh trends kind of being informed that little bit by what we've gone through in the last few years. But um, can you explain maybe colours, that that term colour psychology, maybe to me as if I was five, I suppose, isn't that the way people are? <laughs> um, and, yeah, and just, I, I suppose, awesome. and how it factors into the colour forecast. Yeah, so colour psychology is very interesting. Um, I recently actually did a bit of a dive back into 
I guess, revising some of those things because I, I did a talk up in Sydney um, and one of the things we were discussing was colour psychology. And um, even though I, I've studied it and I sort of know it, it, to me that's sort of all soaked in now and it's all quite intuitive um, mm. and also it evolved. So it was interesting to look back at some of the, um, you know, empirical studies, for instance, for colour psychology, which looks at, um, okay, how do people react to the colour red? How does it make them feel? And it's mm. a controlled environment, you know, things like that. But I, I found a lot of the um, research probably needs to be updated. Um, you know, for instance, they talked about the colour red and, and how men reacted to women wearing red. And I would, you know, absolutely guarantee that that's probably changed. You know, there's things that have changed sure. over time and evolved. Um, but essentially, colour psychology is how do colours make us feel? How can we use that feeling to create, I guess, better interiors or um, use colour to um, provide direction to people, you know, wayfinding within buildings, um, you know, exits are green, for instance, green we associate with going forward, um, you know, little things like that. So there's some really basic colour psychology, you know, red is stop, green is go, most people kind of relate those colours to that. But then we yeah. can get much deeper into, um, you know, how does, uh, I guess it comes back to, we start getting a bit technical light waves and things like that and how they affect the brain. Um, and colours have different light waves. So for instance, with the longer ones which are the blue ones hope I'm getting that right um are supposed to help us focus more for instance so then you know the, the psychology of blue is that it's calming but also helps us focus um the psychology of you know warmer colors like oranges and reds is supposed to actually um you know potentially make us hungry <laughs> so you know fast food and and marketing and things like that would look into color psychology and go okay well let's you know make the interior you know yellow and bright and we want people in and out of this place we don't want them settling in and relaxing um so you know it can be used like that to I guess create a mood that connects us to a certain feeling and that's mm. what Color psychology is, I guess, in essence, how we use that in terms of um, forecasting trends is, I guess, quite broad. Um, but we look at, okay, what is happening in the world and how is that making us feel and what do we need from our interiors at the moment? So, you know, the things I touched on before where we've found that we actually do, we've found that nature is super important for our well-being. We need to connect more to nature. Colours from nature are going to help us feel a little bit more connected to nature. Um, and so then we look at, okay, what sort of colours are we needing? For instance, that Connect palette has all those soft nature colours um, that are very calming and they work really well in tactile environments. So it's sort of that gives you just a very basic kind of, I guess, line of where we sort of might start with an idea of what's happening and how that influences um, the colour. So it definitely plays a big part, not the only part. We obviously also look at what, um, you know, the top level of designers are doing and, you know, one of the big reasons why we, we usually travel or we'll be travelling again next year um, is to look at, okay, what's emerging? What are other brands mm. doing? What They are a big influence as well. And usually 
we kind of already know before we go, unless there's some dramatic shift, um, what they're probably going to be doing because of those moods. So we can kind of yeah. predict a little bit of the direction, you know, um, of whether what they're going to be releasing and what directions they're going to go. And then we've got to also take all of that information and make sure it's relevant to um, the Australian industry because, you know, sometimes I think Australia can live in a bit of a bubble. Sure. And and especially you probably know, you know, what it's like to be over here versus, you know, um, Uh, sleeping on the moon. We, if we wanted to, we could just put our blinkers on and live in our own little world and kind of not really worry about what was happening until it was right upon us. Um, yeah. So there's that. But there's just, I guess, some things are less of an influence. I think over over the years we're definitely way more susceptible to what's happening in the rest of the world. I would say sure. when I first started um, trend forecasting, it was a very slow influence because we didn't have that connection, social media and um, yeah. online. We'd, now it's much more, we're way more connected to the rest of the world. I think I've gone off on a tangent, but you know what I'm talking no, about. No, <laughs> not at all. You've, you've actually kind of veered into my next question, which was going to be about, you know, basically as soon as one forecast is announced, it's almost as if the thoughts are kind of turning towards the next one and that, you know, that sure. it's, it's it, it, it sounds like it's just a, a, a constant kind of, um, you know, keeping an eye on what's happening and seeing, you know, seeing where those patterns emerge throughout the year. So you've, you, you have a little bit gone on a tangent, but you have tangented onto what my next question was going to be. So that's right. actually, that actually works great. Oh, it was all planned. It was all planned. <laughs> fantastic (laughs) Um, yeah so no 100% it's way quicker than it was years ago you know I didn't have that sort of internet access to what was happening Um, you know we look at fashion for instance and and what's happening on the catwalks and I wait months for that big fat magazine that gave me the rundown (laughs) of fashion week um you know and had to go to a special news agent to pick it up and now I can literally watch it online at the same time or on socials um so we're connected straight away I guess the only thing that's disconnected is for instance if I've gone to Milan design week and I've seen particular releases um and they are influencing what our trends might be we might not see those pieces in Australia for a good six to eight months. Yeah. So the real tangible things still take time to make. So that's probably keeping the, the trends, um, I guess, not, you know, switching each year. They're still evolving. And I think also the fact that um, environmentally we, we understand how important it is to invest in our interiors um, and not be throwing everything away every year or every season. Um, and that's certainly not the intention of, um, you know, what we're doing with the forecast. You know, I think it's more just to inspire you. So if you are looking at a change or you do want to, um, or you're in the middle of renovating or you do need to buy a new sofa, you can kind of connect back to that and get that inspiration. Um, and particularly, you know, we know that paint is a quick and easy change to make in an interior without having to throw everything out so you know you can look at what you already have and and be inspired by what colors can I add to sort of I guess um move or evolve my look into you know 
where where the looks are going. Um, yeah, so it, is, it definitely is much faster um, and it's definitely, I would say, from year to year more of an evolution than a big massive change and we always take into consideration where we were the year before and where it's kind of mm. moving to. So there's always some similar themes as well but it's just perhaps how that theme has moved and what's become a little bit more important to us. Yeah, yeah, kind of a natural progression almost. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting you say there, um, and I mean, it, like, it, it's very true. I have a, a brother, actually, who's a painter and decorator at home um, and <laughs> very handy when it comes to painting our own house, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is, I mean, we we changed, we have, um, we have a runner that kind of halves the wall in our kitchen at home, so we do two-tone in the kitchen and change the colour one year. And as you say, it is incredible how, you know, you can you can leave everything exactly where it is. But it is incredible how a change of 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 in that case, a change of pairing of colors. Uh, but just a change of a change of color in a room can just completely, you know, it, it like, it's like walking into a different room, really. Like, um, well, it gives your existing things kind of a new lease of life. You know, you might. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. You have all these key pieces like your dining table, chairs, coffee table, sofa, um, change wall colour and maybe a few cushions or a couple of accessories and your whole room feels like it could have gone, you know, completely redecorated when all you did was mm. add that colour. So it, it does have a lot of power and it's certainly worth exploring if you're feeling like you need that, which a lot of us are, you know, sometimes sure. you just sort of feel like, you know, what do they say? Change is as good as a holiday. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And on that note, Brie, um, something else that actually has popped up as well that I've seen a little bit of is applying colour to ceilings. Um, mm, yes. And that's that's a new trend that's been kind of that that's I suppose been kind of creeping in a little bit and uh, of of late. Um, how what's the what what's the uh, what's the trick to that I suppose how do you how do you do that and maybe get it right so to speak yeah sure um I mean we we explored it quite a bit in in the last forecast so if you, if you wanted to have see examples jump on to the website for the imagery um but I guess there are some interiors where I've kept the the walls white and added colour just to the ceiling. So it's just a different impact because then you can keep the colour in furnishings and art with that white backdrop, but then mm -hmm. you can complement it with um, with the ceiling colour. So I guess it's, you know, a bit quirky and in that because that was the revived palette, so we were trying to, you know, be a little bit different as well. Um, yeah. But... There are things that you can do with your ceilings that actually affect, you know, the space in your room. And we have done before more, I guess, immersive colour where we've painted the whole room one colour, including the ceiling. And if you're using sort of cooler colours um, and those colours recede, which means they sort of look like they're further away from us, you can mm. make your room feel quite a lot airier and bigger and um, the ceiling can appear a bit further away. So you have this sort of illusion of a higher ceiling than what you have. So you could use that trick, for instance, and, um, you know, do a, a cooler colour on the ceiling if you kept white walls and you will get that impression of yeah. the ceiling being a little bit further away. It's just that optical illusion. Um, but, you know, I think it's just really looking at immersive colour as well. So we're less likely to 
just choose one wall, um, you know, as a feature wall, which isn't, mm-hmm. you know, you still do that. Probably bedrooms is one of the things we do that the most. In, sure. Because it's behind the bed and you're sort of calling out that wall. Um, but I think immersive colour is just so much more effective at changing the room. Um, so, you know, when you're painting the ceiling as well and not just not just sticking to the tradition of, oh, trims and ceilings should be white. Well, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why? They don't have to be. Um, so, you know, your painter might curse you a little bit if he's got to cut in a colour to the ceiling <laughs> or you may be cursing yourself if you're doing it yourself. But yeah. the effect is so great that it's worth it. So, um, yeah, I think it's just pushing the norms and sort of, questioning why we do, why we automatically do things. Um, and some of it is literally just tradition and it just evolved that way and it doesn't really have much meaning anymore to why do we have to have a white ceiling? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yes, it might bounce colour around a bit more, but the other thing that I'm all about is embracing mood and, um, you know, you will hear people talk about painting rooms bright white where perhaps they're not a very bright room. I sort of go the opposite there and think, well, if you paint a shadowy um, room that doesn't get a lot of light in a white, what you're going to end up with is lots of grey because you're going to have still have mm. lots of shadow. And, yeah, the, the light will bounce around a little more, but you won't achieve what in your head what you're thinking to make a brighter room. You're much more... Um, likely to create a more successful space by embracing that and adding some tone to the wall, whether that's, you know, just a beautiful green that isn't too dark or go quite moody and add beautiful lighting. And that can be how you, I guess, give character back to the room instead of it feeling like a bit of a sad, shadowy space. Um, Yeah, so that's another, I guess, tradition that people often think, oh, light, bright colours because the room's not very bright. But actually I think work with what you have and and make that work for you yeah very good and I suppose Brie just just finally then to kind of top it off um as we've said you know we are kind of coming into the season where people will be looking maybe more at doing these kind of um painting jobs you know redecorating um as you say if it ever stops raining um (laughs) uh what tips can you give to people Brie who are maybe you know, who are maybe looking around their space and thinking, yeah, you know, it's a little bit drab. Let's 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 um, spruce it up a little bit. But maybe, you know, maybe they don't know where to start. They don't know their color schemes, their their feature walls, their you know, like <laughs> let's put it differently. What would you tell an idiot like me if I wanted to redecorate? <laughs> if I wanted to redecorate my boyfriend's apartment, which I'm sure he'll um, won't be very keen to hear. But um, yeah, like someone someone that just doesn't really know where to start. Let's say. Uh, I think the first resource would probably be the Julux website and mm-hmm. and look at images and work out what you're drawn to. So just basically keep looking at things and go, oh, really like this, and gather a few inspirations and make sure you, they kind of all have some connection. Perhaps they all have blues in them or something like that. So you've got a bit of a direction to start. Um, and then look at your scheme and proportions and we do have a lot of that information also on the on the website but it's just about the balance of okay do I yeah do I want it to feel lighter and or do I want it to feel moodier so you've got to make sure you're 
got a bit of a purpose before you just dive in and start looking at things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to have that sort of, I guess, do a little background work on what you want that space to be or feel like and then look at what are you drawn to and how does that make you feel and then you can kind of decipher that into a colour direction. And then I think if in doubt, just start small. We always say, look, paint a door, paint one wall, paint a chair, paint a table. Um, And usually once you've started to add colour and see how, I guess, kind of easy it is, then it gives you that confidence to take the next step and say, okay, great, I'm going to paint all the walls and I'm going to dive in and do this colour. And I guess the best thing about paint is you can get it wrong because then you can start again. Yeah. <laughs> Not always ideal, but that is the reality is that even interior designers do, um, oh, and that's the thing I should say, and always test the colour first in the space. You know, even mm. interior designers will be on site with their builders and have five different patches of colour on the wall as they decide which exact blue and sometimes which white even. Um, so that is super important. We have great tools like um, A4 samples and we have these great stickers, the wall stickers, that you can remove and put back on and put them in different mm. rooms. So they're really good to have. And then I guess the next step from that is, you know, sample pot, which you can either do straight to the wall when you kind of narrow it down, maybe you're getting down to two colours, um, or, you know, you can paint a big piece of cardboard and that way you can move that around in your spaces. Um, mm. And light is the other big thing that affects colour. So it's probably the biggest thing that affects colour. Of course. Um, so it's really important to check when you think you've decided on a colour to also look at it at night, in the morning, during the day, just so you don't sort of suddenly go, oh, hang on, it looks purple now in this light, like because that can happen mm. with undertones in colour. Um, yeah, and make sure it works with all your existing finishes so if you've got Mm. timber floors or um, carpet just check that it's not making the color you're selecting isn't suddenly making your carpet look purple for instance yeah Um, because colors affect each other as well it sounds complicated but it's fun so you know and then the last resort is well not the last resort but if you already know that um you know it's going to be too overwhelming and you you don't want to go through that process they have fantastic deluxe colour consultants who come out to your house and basically make it super, super easy for you um, and come up with the scheme and everything, and they're quite affordable. Excellent. Excellent stuff, Brie. Well, look, that that covers everything that I had wanted to ask. Um, I feel far more educated on paint than I ever thought I would be in my entire life, so that's that's obviously a good thing. Uh, it's actually it's very interesting very interesting uh, just the whole process with coming with with coming up with the schemes and and the the, the thought process behind it so I think uh, I think our listeners will have found it very interesting um and will be yeah they, they'll might fi- they'll probably feel a little more confident themselves now if they are going to do do a bit of work on the house this this coming summer but um yeah no look great this this has been a great chat and I just want to say thanks again for taking the time to chat to us. Um really, really appreciate it. And um yeah, I'm sure we'll speak to you again in the in, in the future. Uh, thanks, Anna. Yeah, I hope to speak to you when we launch the next forecast. Banta, <laughs> absolutely. Pencil it in. <laughs> thanks, Anna. My thanks again to Bree for joining me on today's discussion. It was great to get some insights into the Dulux colour forecast and understand the decision making process. 
Remember to subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date with new episodes. Give us a like on social media or log on to build.com.au to keep up to date with all the latest news and features. Until the next time, all the best.